Good morning. How are y'all doing? Oh, we could do better than that. Good morning. How are y'all doing? Oh, there we go. Awesome. If I have more energy than y'all and after D-Now weekend, there's a problem, right? So come on now. Um, hey, we had an incredible weekend uh, this weekend at D-Now weekend. I said weekend like three times. Wow. It's been a long weekend. All right. Uh, but first off, to start off, can I get all the host homes to stand up? If you hosted our students, can you stand for me? Yeah, let's give them a round of applause. Okay. Um, thank you, thank you. So I know that was not easy because I think at CJ's house, we're up till two in the morning last night, so sorry about that. And I know the girls, they told me they were up till two in the morning. Um, so thank you all. Thank you all for hosting. Thank you for providing for our students. All right, and now not, uh, can I have all my leaders stand up? My leaders, let's, ta- let's stand up, leaders. Hey, these are rock stars right here. Thank you to my leaders. Thank you so much. They are rock stars. They have been with me from the start of D-Now till now, and, and we've been running on fumes, but hey, thank God for coffee, right? For the, or, or tea, because I know some of my, my, my leaders like tea. And so uh, thank you all for being uh, faithful servants this weekend. Um, thank you for being there for our students and loving them well. Uh, so we had the opportunity this weekend to, to truly get into to the word of uh, how is it to truly be free in the word of God. And so we got into that detail of what it, what it means to have weight on you and hand it over to, to God. And as well, then we talked about, hey, did you know that you have a purpose? And it's not just one purpose, but multiple purposes that the Lord has placed um, um, for you. And so I, I truly pray that our students go home with that and, and they start living out that, where they know that they are such a light um, to their friends and to their family, and that they can be that light to anyone. And it doesn't matter how old you are, if you're in middle school and high school, um, the Lord has called us to be obedient and do that. Um, but on top of that, um, I have a, a special friend that's going to come up and read scripture right now. If I could get Daniel Miller up here. Come on, my man. So, so Daniel was a, a senior at Creekview, and he was a great sport, you know, where I let him know about D-Now on Wednesday, and he had signed up by Thursday morning. So, hey, thank you, Daniel, for that. If y'all can stand so we can read the word. We're going to be in 1 King, sorry, 1 Kings 19, 19 through 21, and that's page 268. 268. It works, my bad. So he departed from the ah. <laughs> so he departed from there and found Elisha the son of Sapit while he was plowing the twelve pairs of oxen before him, and he with the twelfth. And Elijah passed over him and threw his mantle on him. And he left the oxen and ran with after Elijah, Please let me kiss my father and my mother, then I will follow you. And he said to him, Go back for what I have done to you. So he returned from following him and took the pair of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the implements of the oxen and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then they arose and followed Elijah and ministered him. Thank you, Daniel. I appreciate you, buddy. Thank you. You take a seat. All right. Hey, last but not least, I want to thank the parents. Parents, thank you for signing up your kids and giving them the opportunity uh, um, to grow in their faith. 
and, and to learn more things. But on top of that, have fun. You know, we went to Jump Street. Hey, girls, y'all learn I could do a toe touch, right? And then after that, we went to Broomball, and, and my shins hurt from that. Um, but through that all, we had an incredible guest speaker join us through all, all of that. And so if I could get David up here for me. So David is our guest speaker, and, and, and David has put the word in a way where these kids can relate to it. Um, the first night, he had all these trophies, and he had collected all these baseball cards, and he was talking about um, just that this doesn't matter and just knocks them off the stage, and the kids were like, oh, my trophies, you know? Because yeah. I know, I, I was like, ooh, that hurt. But um, he explained it so well where the kids were like, yeah, those, yeah, it, it stinks that he broke those trophies, but they don't matter. And so he's put things in a perspective where our students could relate. Um, so I'm, I'm really blessed to say that David's here to speak with all of us today. And, and I hope that, that y'all truly get the message in a way that I, I was taking notes, where I was like learning from David of what I can do differently. Um, so let me pray for David. Awesome. Thanks, man. Hey, Heavenly Father, uh, thank you for our brother David here that's come to speak at the Ridge. Uh, Lord, may you use him. May you speak. Uh, may he speak. You speak through him, Lord. Uh, may everyone just hear the message that you want to be heard today. Lord, may, may they know that your word is truth that they could always turn to. And um, Lord, I just pray that uh, David is able to put in a perspective where all of us could relate to it. Pray all this in your loving name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Vince. Well, you guys can have a seat. Good morning, Ridge Church. Y'all awake this morning? All right. It was my absolute pleasure to, to join your student ministry and Vince this weekend uh, throughout Disciple Now. Uh, like you said, my name is David Hansen. I'm the student pastor at a church in Round Rock. Does anybody know where Round Rock's at? Yeah. All right. Round Rock Donuts. You had them before? Okay. A couple of you. Good. Awesome. Um, we're not known for a Round Rock, like one of the students yelled out. They're like, maybe you're known for a Round Rock. No, no. The donuts. That's all we're known for. Round Rock Donuts. Um, but it was uh, my pleasure to join them for Disciple Now this weekend. And let me just say this. Um, I'm, I'm a youth pastor. I work with uh, students aged 6 through 12. been doing it for about 15 years. Um, and with Vince stepping in two weeks ago, guys, you would not believe the job that he did this weekend. And so he highlighted everyone else. But would you give Vince a huge round of applause? Yeah. <clears throat> For, for jumping in two weeks on the job and gets thrown into Disciple Now. And so he did a fantastic job. Do me a favor, rally around this guy. Um, you want to see God move in this community? You want to see him do huge things? Man, rally around him. Um, volunteer to be a small group here. Help out however he needs help. Um, just come to his aid, and I promise you, you'll see God do some things in this student ministry. Amen? All right, let's jump into the Word of God this morning. First Kings 19, 19 20. 19 through 21, like was read a while ago, uh, says this. It says, so he, and I'm going to stop there, he. Um, your Bible might say, so Elijah. Before we get going, you have to know that this is uh, beginning with Elijah. Elijah was a mighty prophet of God in the northern uh, kingdom of Israel um, during the, king, the reign of King Ahab. And Elijah was this mighty prophet of God. Everyone in Israel would have heard of uh, the prophet Elijah, right? There's two names in here, and I, if I get them wrong, I'm going to apologize now, okay? There's Elijah and Elisha. Everybody say Elijah. Elijah. Oh, there we go. I'm a youth pastor. We're gonna, you're going to 
play with me, okay? Everybody say, Elisha. All right, so if I say those wrong, you're just going to be like, no, he was wrong, right? But you'll know I'm talking about Elijah first and then Elisha second, okay? And so Elijah was a mighty prophet of God who did some crazy miracles. Um, He was known for calling down fire from heaven and defeating the prophets of of Baal. Um, He was known for praying for it not to rain, and it didn't rain. He was known for asking God to bring rain, and then it rained. He parted the Jordan. He resurrected uh, a child. Like, he was a mighty prophet prophet. And this mighty prophet of God was called to call his successor. And so God looked at Elijah and said, hey, go call your successor. And it's right here in 1 Kings 19, 19 through 21, that we see Elijah calling his successor Elisha. Okay? Um, And what happens, he shows up on the scene. And if Elijah shows up on your farm in the northern kingdom of Israel, like, that's a big deal right? It's a huge deal. It'd be like if someone famous was sitting uh, in our congregation this morning, like everybody would be sitting here like, okay, David's talking, but like this famous person is here. Like, what are they doing here? Like, why are they here? What are they doing? I know I'm supposed to be listening to David talk, but like that famous actor is like back here. What, what's going on, right? Like that's what would have happened if Elijah showed up on your farm in the day of Elisha. And so Elijah shows up, and let's look at what he does. Uh, so Elijah departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, which is a fantastic name for an animal. Okay, so if you get an animal in the near future, just name it Shaphat. It's supposed to be Hebrew, so it's probably like Shaphat or something, but uh, Shaphat sounds a lot more fun. So uh, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him. Let's stop there. What we know about Elisha so far is that he is a farmer. Um, there's nothing spectacular about Elisha. Um, he is doing most likely what his father did before him and what his grandfather did before him and what his grandfather did before him. In that day and age, you did whatever your family uh, job and task was. And so we see that Elisha is here plowing with 12 yoke of, yoke of oxen. Um, and so he's, he's farming. That's what he does. There's nothing exciting about his life. And if you were to zoom into his life, it might look a little bit something like this. Elisha would wake up in the morning. He might grab a quick bite to eat. He would then go out to the pen. He would grab the oxen and he would attach them to the plow. He would then plow the fields from sun up to sun down. He would take the plow and the oxen back to the pen. He would detach the oxen from the plow, put the oxen in the pen, feed and water them, go home, maybe a small bite to eat, and then go to sleep. Do you know what he did the next day? He would wake up, he would get a small bite to eat, he would go out to the pen, he would get the 12 yoke of oxen, he would attach the 12 yoke of oxen to the plow, he would then spin sun up to sun down, plowing the fields. He was always apparently with the 12. At the end of the day, he would take those 12 yoke of oxen back to the pen. He would detach the oxen from the plow. He would put the oxen back in the pen. He would put the plow up. He would go inside. He'd grab a small bite to eat and he'd go to sleep. Do you know what he did the next day? I'll spare you. You can imagine every single day doing the same thing, tending to these fields that his family had tended to probably for some time. Nothing special or exciting about his life. And into that mundane routine scenario, the prophet Elijah, 
who'd brought down fire from heaven is now on his farm. And so you can imagine he's sitting there plowing with the 12th, right? I still don't know why that's important, but he's with the 12th and he's plowing and all of a sudden Elijah comes onto the farm. and He's probably like, who's that? Like, they're not used to guests. They're not used to visitors. Who's that? That's Elijah. What is Elijah doing here? Why, why is he here, right? But he keeps plowing. And look what Elijah does. And Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak, your Bible might say mantle, upon him, which is super strange, right? He just passes by him and he puts his, his, his jacket on him. He puts his, his mantle, he puts his, his cloak on him and then keeps going, Right? And if, at this point, that means nothing until you realize that this word uh, in the Hebrew is ader, right? I don't have a deep enough voice to, you know, give you good Hebrew, but it's ader, right? Um, or if you're from Texas, adder, right? It's A-D-D-E-R, right? Um, and this word adder means glory or majesty or power. And so when it says that Elijah passed by him and put his mantle, his cloak on him. What he's saying is that he put his majesty, his power, his glory on Elisha. This is the passing of the mantle. And so now Elisha has been cloaked with glory, power, and majesty. Someone whose life is so mundane and routine has been anointed. And it forever changed everything about Elisha's life. Let's keep going in the text. It says this, And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, Let me kiss my father and my mother, and then I will follow you. And Elijah said to him, Go back again for, for what have I done for you? Which sounds horrible. He was like, Why are you going to go back again? Like, remember what I've done for you. He's essentially saying, Hey, yeah, go back and kiss your mom and dad but don't forget what I have done to you. Don't forget that I've put my mantle, my power, my majesty, my glory upon you. Don't forget that. And Elisha returned from following him and took the yoke of oxen and he sacrificed them and he boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen and gave it to the people and they ate. And then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. I want you to notice what, what just happened here, right? So literally, Elijah comes, anoints him with glory, majesty, and power. Elisha then goes back to his normal daily routine. He tells his mom and dad, hey, here's the deal. I'm, I'm not doing this anymore. I'm following the prophet Elijah. But before he goes, he takes those plows, which would be called the yoke, which was made of wood, which attached the oxen together. And he built a huge bonfire. And then he murdered 12 oxen and threw a party, people, right? Like before he left, like Elisha threw this huge, huge party. Like, do I have any, any hunters in here? Any, any hunters? Okay, a couple, a couple. Like, do you know how much meat is in 12 oxen, Right? I, I, I hunt. I, I, I love hunting. I took three. God allowed me to take and harvest uh, three deer this year, and three deer will feed my family for a year, right? I got a family of five. Now, three of them are tiny little kids, four, six, and eight, right? But three deer will give us plenty of steak and sausage and stuff that we need for like an entire year, right? Elisha just slaughtered 12 oxen, okay? He took these plows that attached 
the oxen together, build a huge bonfire, harvested these oxen, and threw a party. And you might be thinking like, oh, it's just like a going away party. That's awesome. Dude just wants to go out with a bang. It's like, throw a party and I'm out, right? No. I'll, I think there's something a little bit more twisted and demented in here, right? This dude has spent his life following these oxen and attached to this plow. And this brother is finished. He is done. He's got to get rid of this weight that has been dragging him down. And I'm telling you, I could spend a whole lot of time here talking about how the plow and the oxen are, are symbolic here, right? This plow is how Elisha has been spending his time. He's been spending his time at the plow, and he is burning that. He is getting rid of that. He is ridding himself of the way that he has spent his time. And I could talk to you all day about how these, these oxen, these sacred cows, were probably like burdens that were weighing him down, right? And he was ready to be done with them. He was ready to be finished with them. And so he took this, this plow, these yokes, built a fire, cooked the oxen, and rid himself of the way his time had been consumed and the weight that had held him back. Because, guys, he had been anointed with glory and majesty and power. And it's no longer about these oxen or these yokes. That's not how he's spending his time. That's not what's dragging him down anymore. The Lord has anointed him for ministry. And anoint him, God did, because what's crazy, I love this. If you go study scripture and study the prophet Elijah, do you know how many miracles in scripture we see Elijah do? 16, right? And before Elijah is sucked up into heaven, uh, he looks at Elisha and says, is there anything I can do for you? And Elisha looks at Elijah and says, okay, I want a double portion of the blessing that you have. Give me a double portion of the spirit that God has given you. And so Elijah prays over Elisha, right? Did I get those right? Elijah, Elisha, right? And what's crazy is guess how many miracles we see attributed to Elisha in scripture? 32. Man, God had something special in store for Elisha. And he wasn't about to let those oxen or that plow hold him back. And so he built a fire. He cooked those oxen. He had a party. And he moved forward in that anointing. He moved forward in that majesty, in that glory, in that power to do the work that God had prepared beforehand that he should walk in. And what's crazy, guys, is this is us. This is absolutely us. That if, if you are in Christ, you are a new creation. Behold, the old is gone and the new has come. If you believe in Jesus Christ, that means that you believe on the cross that Jesus took upon your sin and you took upon his righteousness. Two things were switched there. And this is what I shared with students last night, that on the cross, Jesus took upon our sin and we took upon his righteousness. Neither party deserved what they got, right? Jesus did not deserve our sin and we did not deserve his righteousness, but then what's crazy is after we believe in Jesus, Jesus even said this to his disciples, hey, it's good that I go away because the helper is coming, the spirit is coming who will lead you into all truth, right? 
And if you are in Christ Jesus, you are a bearer of the spirit of God. God has placed his spirit in you. And he didn't place his spirit in you so that you could go back to the oxen and the plow. And this is what you got to grab this morning. He didn't anoint you with glory and majesty and power. You have not been cloaked in the Holy Spirit with, by the, in the power of God to go back to the mundane and the routine, to go back to the plow and the oxen. Yet what's crazy is that we do that very thing. And this is what I love, the message I love sharing with adults and students. It's like, don't go back to the plow. You've been anointed with the Holy Spirit to walk in the works that God's prepared for you. You've been anointed, don't go back to the plow. Which might mean this morning that there's, there's some plows that you need to burn. There's some weight that you need to rid yourself from. There might be some burdens or sins that are weighing you down that you need to leave in here today, that you need to repent, confess, and leave here and go forth in the power that God has anointed you with. But there's too much to be done if we'd allow the mundane and the routine to define you. God wants you to walk in his glory, to go forth, to love him, to love others, to make disciples, and to keep him, and this is where I want to focus in on the end of our message this morning, keep him preeminent in your life. Now, this word preeminent means first, foremost, marquee, number one, most important. And every single one of us are called to keep Christ preeminent in our lives. It's this uh, attitude that Paul has in Galatians 2.20 where he says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Grasp that. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And those who recognize the glory and the majesty and the power that's been put on them go forth and say, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And everything that you do, it's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. This changes the way that you live. And I love the way that way Paul, put, Paul puts it in Romans chapter 11. They're going to put this up on the screen. And in Romans chapter 11, verses 33 through 36, he's declaring the goodness and, and greatness of God. And he says this right here. Do we have it on the slide? There we go. It says, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. This is Paul just proclaiming the goodness of God, right? How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways for who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? And then he ends with this one line that summarizes everything that it means to keep Christ preeminent in your life. He simply says, for from him and through him and to him are all things. Are all things. And those who have been anointed with outer, with majesty, glory, and power, who walk in the Spirit, who keep Christ preeminent, grasp this verse. And it's what keeps us from going back to the plow. When you realize that for from him are all things, through him are all things, and to him are all things, it reorients your life around Christ and keeping him preeminent in your life. Let's break it down. For from him and through him and to him are all things. Memorize that verse. It's simple. 
Some of my favorite verses in all Scripture, for from him and through him and to him are all things. But you can literally break it down into three small sections and see how it keeps him in the center, right? For from him are all things. Everything that you have is from him. Who you are as a person, what you look like, your personality is from him. God's not in love with some future version of you. He's in love with you. This is a message I love taking to students because I, I wrestle with this my entire life. If you can't tell, I'm a 35-year-old male and I'm a whopping 5'5", five five, right? And in eighth grade, I thought God had forgotten about me. Everybody else kept growing. I was like, yo, hey, like don't forget about me, Right? I was on the basketball team, on the football team, and then everybody else kept growing. I was like, I got to find something new, right? And I joke about it now, but when you're that age, oof. It took me forever to realize that who I am, I was shaped, I was formed by him. I'm perfect the way I am because this is who God created me to be. And I get to look at students and say, you're exactly who God created you to be. Nothing needs to change. You might not like the way that you look. You might not like your body shape. You might not like the, the, the brain that God has given you, but it's from him. And if you surrender it to him, he'll use it for his glory. Amen? All things are from him. Your past is from him. God has allowed you to walk through some seasons that have probably shaped you and molded you to be who you are. And I would not be who I am if it weren't for some of those things that, that I've walked through. And sometimes we look back on our past and wish that we could change things, wish that we could be a different person, but it's all set the table for where you're at right now. And while you're not called to dwell on those things or allow those things to be burdens that drag you down, the experiences that you've walked through have prepared you to love others well who may be walking through the same thing. So that even your trials and tribulations are from him if you allow them to be used for his glory, and for the good of the saints. Amen? For from him are all things. Through him are all things. If through him are all things, guys, we're talking about the daily grind here, right? Some of you, you hate your job. Like you literally wake up, and when I have repeated Elisha's routine, you're like, that sounds an awful lot like work to me, right? <laughs> this is a daily grind. And into that, God wants to say, no, I, I want to redeem. I want to be preeminent in your daily grind. That what you do on a daily basis to provide for your family, even though it might not bring you immense joy, I have placed you there. And you're to use that position for my glory. And maybe it's because someone at your workplace needs to know about Jesus. Maybe it's because someone in your workplace is going to walk through a difficult time that you can identify with because you've been there. Nothing is insignificant to them. Students, I just named the, the grind of Elisha, and you were like, that sounds an awful lot like school, right? Wake up and every day do the same thing over and over and over again, right? But God's placed you there, specifically. Like, it's not an accident who's in your classes. And he wants to use that time that he has placed you there for his ultimate glory, for from him and through him are all things. This through is huge. This through is the day-to-day. -day. 
Let me talk to the parents in the room for a minute. Man, the only way that you are going to get through parenting is by falling fully on the mercy of God. Amen? I've got three kids. Uh, they are four, six, and eight, and testing me at every turn. It's fantastic. Not my oldest. She's a perfect angel, right? She's the typical first child who just is super obedient, wants to obey everything that mommy and daddy say. My six-year-old boy is the complete opposite, right? He's like, how can I do everything against my father's will, right? And parents, the only way that you are going to get through parenting is by keeping Jesus in the middle of it. Reminding yourself that you have been put in this role not just to create good human beings, but to make disciples. And that you should value highly that role in keeping Christ preeminent in your home as you make disciples because you're going to blink, they're going to turn 18, and they're going to be gone. And you're going to wish that you had more time in the through. Amen? For from him are all things, through him are all things, and then lastly, to him are all things. Guys, I'm talking about your time, your talents, and your treasures. Your time is to be used for the glory of God. Time is the one thing that you can't get more of or go back and redo. And so the way that you spend your time is to be oriented around the Lord. Are you spending time with him? Are you pursuing him? Are you running after him? Are you cultivating a rhythm and routine in your family that keeps him first and foremost? Your talents. God has gifted you and equipped you to be the kingdom. I know last week Jerry talked about what it means to, to be the body in one body in many parts to, to serve this body. You have talents that God has given you for this place so that you might help the local expression of the body right here at the Ridge. And so many of you, you can make so many excuses about how you're too busy or you have too much going on. But the reason that God has gifted you and given you the talents that you have is so that you could love him and love others and serve this body. Don't miss that. Someone else in here might not have the unique gifting set that you have. Because God's given that to you, you can use that for the kingdom and build the church. Amen? And then lastly, your treasure. Everything is from him. Everything has been sustained to him. So why in the world would we not think that everything that he has gifted to us, we are to use for his ultimate glory and purpose and ultimately give all those things back to him? Here's what I'm afraid of. I'm afraid at the end of the day, right, that we are people who have heard this so many times that it's just become a hum and a buzz. It's my fear that we are people who have understood what it means to be redeemed by the God of the universe because we have placed our faith in Jesus Christ and fully understand what he has done on our behalf. Yet because we don't walk in keeping him preeminent in our life, because we don't keep him first and foremost, we are people who so quickly 
because of how hard and difficult and long life is, instead of walking in what he's prepared for us to walk in, we go back to what's comfortable. And we go back to the plow. And we go back to the oxen. And we get caught up in rhythm and routine. And this is why you talk to people who are a little bit older. You go find, go find a gray hair in the room, right? I'll call them sage. That sounds nicer. And they'll tell you, man, if, I, if someone could have grabbed a hold of me in my early teenage years as an early parent, when I thought I was lost in my career, I wish someone could have grabbed me and brought Jesus straight into the center of that and showed me the significant role that I could play for his kingdom and for his glory. Don't miss it. He's got a plan for you. He wants to use you. Don't miss it. But here's what I also know. There are people in this room who, this is a foreign concept. Uh, maybe you've lived your whole life for you and you've never fully understood um, that Jesus came and wants an, an active relationship with you because you, you grew up in the church and you understand that you're supposed to believe in him, but you don't know what that active, growing relationship looks like. That was me. First Baptist Church of Amarillo. My entire life, from birth till 18. It was a great church with some great preachers. I was the problem. And church was just something I did. Faith was just something that I had. It wasn't something that changed me. It wasn't a relationship. And so when God got a hold of me at age 20 and shook me awake, I realized how much I had missed and how much I missed out on that personal walk and relationship with him. And I don't want that for you. And so if you're in here this morning and you want an active, growing relationship with Jesus Christ, it begins by just saying yes to him. And so what I want to do right now is ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes. Man, if you're in here this morning and you want to say yes to Jesus, you're simply just identifying what the Holy Spirit is stirring within you. If you want to say yes to Jesus for the first time this morning, in your own words right now, just tell him, just say, Jesus, I love you. I want an active, growing relationship with you. Jesus, I understand that on the cross, you died for my sins. And you not only died for my sins, but you gave to me, you entrusted to me your righteousness. So that before God the Father, I am not only sinless, but I'm holy. God, I receive that gift that you've given to me. God, fill me with your spirit and transform me that I might live every day for you. And if you're in here this morning and you prayed that, you're forever his. You are saved. You are bought back. You are redeemed. It's my prayer that you would get plugged in, that you would tell Pastor Jerry, that you tell someone here before you leave this morning that you want to walk into an active relationship with Jesus. And Father, for the rest of us, would you shake the foundations of who we are 
Forgive us for where we've fallen into rhythm and routine and lost sight of how glorious it is for us to walk and run after you. Reinvigorate us with your spirit. Set us on fire to live daily for you. It's in your son's holy and precious name that saints prayed this morning. Everybody said, amen.